Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. Good to see you. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be honored to be here. I really, really am. Um, I was I was laughing with Pastor Justin. I'm like, are you crazy? You're gonna let me, you don't even know me, and you're gonna let me address your men. So um, I first of all, I wanna I wanna honor the house here and make sure that everything um, is pushing the vision and the leadership of this church. Okay. Let me pray. Let me let me pray. We'll get going. God, we love you so much. We just thank you that, um, man, God, you never leave us and you never forsake us. And that's funny because we know ourselves, and we know where we've been, and we know what we've done, and some reason you stay with us, God. It's not some reason, it's because you love us. And so I just thank you, Lord, that anything it is that's going on, any conviction that your Holy Spirit gives, it just draws you tighter. And you're going, I love you that much more because we can go through this together. And so, Lord, I just thank you that tonight you've got a specific individual word for each man in here, God. Corporately, your word's going to go out, but we know your Holy Spirit who dwells inside of us is going to take that truth and sow it deep in our hearts as we'll just receive it. So, God, I just thank you that it's not wasted time. It's not going through the motions. We are here by your Spirit, God. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, like I was saying, like, God's priority with the New Testament church is unity, and we need to understand that, because we're in a weird Western civilization where we, we become these constitutional Christians, where it's our rights and our preferences, and it's me, 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 and we start finding, like, church hopping is okay, and that's not in your Bible. Your Bible says that God places us in the body as it's pleasing to Him, and so I'm here, and I, I just want to make sure that I push unity first and foremost. I mean, it really, like, if you think about it, Sorry, I just rabbit trail if you don't know me. It's like there's notes back here, but I probably won't use them tonight. Um, You got that? (laughs) Thanks for breaking them in. This is a big deal. This is from God. I left a mermaid birthday party to be here with you guys. So, um, yeah, yeah, thank you for inviting me tonight. Um, but man, I'll tell you, Jesus is so about unity, and, and I'm going to say something that'll sound blasphemous, especially to the old timers for one second, but God is more worried about unity than he is right doctrine, and I'll qualify that. I say that because as you're in a body here, right, we're supposed to be knit together and joined together. If we're on the same page, how many people does he have to correct to get you back on track? One man, the head, Right? But the problem is we filter this through our rights and, and our, again, our constitutional Christianity where, well, I didn't really dig the worship that much. That's like three weeks in a row. I feel like it's the same sermon all the time. And we start shopping around like we have a say. When God has called a vision to a house, 
and we're supposed to play a part in pushing it forward. And the funny thing is, I, I was thinking about that where I hear that one a lot with people bounce around or people come to my church and be like, yeah, I just kept hearing the same sermons. Like, well, I already got a red flag on you. But two, maybe you're hearing the same sermon because you haven't done it yet. Maybe God has told the leadership, they're not ready to go to phase two yet. We're going to rest here for a little bit. Maybe we have to continue to talk about holiness or purity. Maybe we have to continue to talk about um, unforgiveness. Maybe we have to stay in these places for just a little bit because I'm not sure they're getting it yet. And so a lot of times I'm laughing because we're pointing at the leadership when really God's going, you guys, are the, you guys are the wind and the sails. He can't steer it if we're not moving. If you guys aren't moving, you guys can't go anywhere and you're complaining about it. He can't steer something. It's, it's going to be like 30 minutes of this, so just eat up, Okay. Men's ministry is just this. Men's ministry is corrective, right? If there were women in here, it'd have to be much softer, and I'd have to introduce my girls and my wife, and I would have to do all these things, right? But we don't have time for that because we're decision makers, and decision makers have to be spirit-led decision makers as soon as you take the name Jesus because now you're not representing you anymore. We've got to kick this stuff to the curb. You're not representing you anymore. The second you say, I am hidden in Christ, it is now he who lives, no longer me, you know you died, and we want the resurrection aspect of the death, but we don't want to go through the suffering and the travail and the discipline of the death, which that's where the grace is. God's work, God's hand, God's desire for you is in the storms and the difficulties. And so we shirk the hard stuff to try to go after the glory, and God's going, you can't carry glory. Do you guys know what the word glory literally means? It means weight. It's the weight of God. And we're going, God, I want the promotion, and God, I want the opportunity to speak, and God, I want to be in the limelight. And he's going, you can't handle it. It would break you. It would absolutely crush you. I was talking to, actually, he's here. I was talking to David, my friend today, and, and um, I was talking about, he's in, he's in a season, I'm like, man, pray. Find out if you're supposed to stay there. Because Elijah in the Old Testament was to be the prophet of God to a whole nation, right? That's a little bit of glory on your shoulders, before Elijah got to go out and do a lot of the miraculous and powerful and crazy things that we read about, God said, I need you to go by this brook and sit down. And so he said, I'm going to declare a drought. And so Elijah said, drought's coming. And then he just went out and sat down. And we think, and I always thought, it's like, well, he's preparing everything so that this word can go hit, and it's a timely word. And I don't think that's what he was doing. I think he was just destroying Elijah to the place that Elijah's empty of himself. And he could go stand in front of a king and go, you're sinful. And it wasn't until the brook dried up and he had no more sustenance. There was no more of himself there anymore. And he could go, okay, God, I'm just going to do whatever you tell me to do. And we've got to go through these things. God's all about unity. I'm going to circle back to unity again. It's, it's just something I want to do because I want to honor the house, okay? Um, I, I am a Guts Church member. I'm a pastor at the, at the campus. I will do whatever Pastor Bill Shear says. I don't even ask questions. I just go do it, okay? And We've got, to, we've got to grow into these places. We've got to grow into that mentality. Stop having an opinion all the time, okay? Is that fair? You've got to kick them to the curb. Most of discipline is getting over your opinion. It's waking up at 5 a.m. and working out and eating, right? Yeah, that's great. Most of it is internal. Because Paul said circumcision no longer is the cutting away of the physical flesh. Now circumcision is you and I. It, it's cutting away what we prefer to do what God's called us to do. And the funny thing about it is that we don't know that our actual satisfaction and purpose is on the other side of the things that we shucked off. On the other side of you getting over your personality and saying, that's just the way I am, you're actually going to find the freedom you're desiring. And we don't think of it that way, but that's why whenever the, the New Testament Christians would show up, the Pharisees would go, here's the men who turn the world upside down. Why? Because they're doing everything the opposite way that the world knows. 
And so <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to talk about unity. I just can't get to the point I'm trying to say here. But New Testament unity is such a core aspect of everything. If, if you go back to Genesis 11, they got unified. And what did they start doing? They started build, building a tower to God. They wanted to be like God. They wanted to get to God, but they didn't want to do it through humility. They wanted to do it through power. And so God confused the language, right? And he said he separated boundaries and he moved them all apart. He separated them by language because they didn't have access to the Holy Spirit to where they could love like God loves. They, could, they couldn't access the agape love, the power of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't do things God's way, but they did get united. And it actually says something interesting. If you guys go back and read that chapter, it says when they were unified, when they were one, nothing was impossible for them. So he separated their language. But then Jesus does the work we couldn't do. He dies, he resurrects, and he tells them to go wait in the upper room. And what happens there? Cloven tongues of fire come. And what does he do? He unifies their language. And now everybody who hears them speak goes, he's speaking my language. He's taken the borders away now. And now he wants us unified. Jesus, um, I maybe have this one in the notes. In John 17, um, he's, he's about to go up to the, to the right hand of the Father, and he's got a prayer for us. Jesus prays for you. Like, we should just rest there for a second. Like, Jesus prays for you individually. And in John 17, he's praying to the Father, and he said, God, I pray that they are one as we are one. I pray that there's just a unity about the church. And it tells us in Scripture that the only way the world's going to know that you're a Christian is if you love other Christians. Not talk trash about their doctrine. Not... not stab them in the back, not get your way over their way. You love them. That's so, is that not sad that it's, love is radical in our world? I, I was in New York City for a while. Um, I held the door open for a woman, and she just stood there and stared at me. And I was like, are you going in or what? She's like, what, what do you want? Like, I'm just holding the door for you. Love was so radical, holding the door was an expression she couldn't even understand. And we're all going that way. Wide and well-traveled is the path that leads to destruction, right? Well, Jesus says, I, I pray, can I get weird with you for one second? I've got a prayer life where God does weird things in my prayer life, and he gives me pictures sometimes, and, he, and I was praying about something. I was actually at Metro, funny enough, and I was praying about something at Metro, and I was like, God, this thing, and, and do something, and woe is me, and you know how we get, like, not a big deal, but we make it a big deal. And he goes, you know, they had it at the Adam." what are you talking about? So they had, them at the, they had it at the Adam, A-T-O-M. I just got done reading, I'm going to sound smarter than I am, I got done reading some like quantum physics and subatomic particle kind of stuff, I was curious about something, and I don't know, what you guys remember in school, what did they say the smallest piece of matter was? Do you, does anybody remember what they said? This is interactive now, now you are on stage. There's the Adam, was there anything smaller than the Adam? There was a quark. Oh, somebody's got like real ones. They're saying like leptons and stuff. The quark, when I was a little kid, it was quark, right? Is, does that ring any bells with anybody? The quark was the smallest piece of matter. They've broken down the quark over 100 times since I was in school. And they're looking for the thing that makes everything. And they're trying to figure out, if we can just figure out what it is that makes everything, we can make whatever we want. We want to be creator beings, right? Tower of Babel. So we're trying to find out the thing that makes the thing that makes the thing that makes the thing and all this stuff. And God just stopped me in my tracks and he goes, they had it at the atom. And I'm like, okay, God, what are you talking about? He goes, it's a three-in-one relationship. He goes, what's the makeup of an atom? And I said, well, proton, neutron, electron. He goes, okay, what did Jesus pray? He said, I pray they're one as I and the Father are one. He said, okay, what's in the nucleus? What's the core piece of the atom? 
and I just read this stuff, don't, don't think I remember eighth grade chemistry, but the proton and the neutron are in the core. The neutron has no charge. What is it that Jesus said while he was on the earth? I do nothing except for what the Father says. I do nothing of my own power. Jesus is the neutron. The Father was the proton. They're in the core of this thing. And then outside of it, in the electron field, the electron cloud, isn't that funny with an Old Testament picture of the Holy Spirit, the cloud? is the electron, and the electron moves according to the proton. And he says it's a three-in-one relationship. If people would just understand that, they would understand more about life. Unity. I pray that they're one as we're one. You don't separate the neutron and the proton. The electrons come and go. The neutron and the proton are like this. I pray they're one. He says it again in the same chapter, and he says something fascinating, and he says, like, I'm praying for, I'm just going off memory right now. I pray for these that are here, the disciples that are with him right then, but I also pray for those that are going to believe because of their writings. That's us. He says, Peter's going to write a letter, and Paul's going to write a letter, and I want to bless and pray for the people that are going to believe, those, believe on me through those letters. He was praying for us before we even existed, which is nuts. And he says the same thing. I pray that they're one as we're one. And so I need you to understand unity is important, and bad doctrine can be beaten by unity because the correction of one man can steer the ship right, okay? So if you are a part of Foundations Church, get involved, get submitted, do your role. The Bible says the only thing that supplies is the joint, right? If you're not connected, you're not supplying anything. And I know people that want to write checks to churches, but they don't get involved. You're not supplying your money is not what's needed at church. Your involvement, your giftings, your presence is what is needed. Because there's a lot of kids without dads that need to see a strong father figure. You need to be the joint that supplies. And it's funny, I was praying about this church, and, and this may line up hopefully with what Pastor Justin says here, but this is like a family home church. When somebody pulls in and they walk into here, he wants it to feel, I'm going to put words in your mouth, I'm sorry, you can say I'm blaspheming later, but wants it to feel as at home here as it is when they pull into the driveway at their house. That if somebody is, is going to college in town and they pop in here, they feel like they have a family while they're at school in Tulsa. That this is going to be a place for fathers to take in fatherless kids. Like, I feel like that's a mantle for Foundations Church is to be family to those who don't have family. It's a safe place for those who do have family. It's a great place to raise kids. But if you just need family, get to Foundations Church. Can you guys help? Can you be a part? Can we help in those kids' areas and make sure that they've got the role models and the Word of God going forth that's going to change their lives whenever they have decisions on whether they should or shouldn't? They're going to see your face. He said, I'm passionate about, about young men. I am passionate about young men because the Bible says who overcomes the world in 1 John 4? Young men, you've overcome the evil one. The world is going after young men. Women follow. It's going after young men. So why is pornography the number one push in the whole world? Why is it a multi-trillion-dollar like, organization? Because the whole focus is if we can steer the men wrong, we've steered the head wrong, and the body will follow. We've got to stand up. You've got to have somebody around you that when you miss church, you've got people texting you going, where were you today? Do you have a place in this church? If you fade in and out, that's okay for a season. It's okay to be a baby Christian for a season, but you'll see in 1 Corinthians 2, you'll see in Hebrews 5, Paul and the writer of Hebrews is not okay with baby Christians for long because he'll write them a letter back and he'll be like, you should be eating meat and solid food by now, but I see that you're still taking milk. I don't get it. You're still arguing with each other. You're still bickering. You're still complaining. 
you're baby Christians and you should be further along than this. And what I want to talk to tonight is, ultimately, we're talking about purity and holiness, and, and it's hard because you grew up in a mortal body, right? You were born of flesh, and you learned to look both ways, and you go to the bathroom, and you got to go to the bathroom, and that's how you grew up. And then all of a sudden, you say, I, I make Jesus the Lord of my life, and he goes, okay, now you're alive in the Spirit. You've trained your flesh for so long, and now he goes, I need you to stop being flesh and start being spirit, and we, it's a hard time to train and make that gap. You know what I'm saying? And so we'll just flippantly say, be spirit-led. And it's like, what the, does that mean? How am I spirit-led? Like, I had a hard time when I first became a Christian. We're singing all these songs about, God, I love you. And, I, and I'm like, I don't tell anybody I love them. You know, like me and my dad, like, see that? You know, like, I'm not like an emotionally romantic or, or feely kind of person. And so I had to break into this place of love. I didn't know how to do that. I had to have the Holy Spirit show me how to love and so when we're talking about get over these, this sinful nature and get past these things, it's like, where do I even start doing that? I can will myself maybe for a day to not do the thing I'm addicted to, but I can't even imagine going a whole life without drinking. I can't imagine going a whole life without looking at pornography. I can't picture that. Have you been there? You don't have to raise your hand. Have you been there? It's because you're operating by the flesh. You're fighting battles of your heart with your physical discipline. Yesterday, I, uh, I, um, I had a funny afternoon right after church. Is everybody okay? Are you guys here? I'm getting as close to you as I can, if you can't tell. I'm like, going to fall off the stage. Like, if I could be in the aisle, I would be. Um, we had service, and we're turning off lights, and we're getting done, you know, heading home, ready to eat. And I had to, we're in a, we're in a kind of a rougher area in Sepulpa, and so we get a lot of, of walkers, and everybody, everybody's got a story, right? And so I get two of them walk in, and, and apparently they, they are husband and wife, and so they come in right, right when I'm trying to go home, and I'm tired, right? I go, oh, here we go, okay. But my pastor had just been talking. We live stream on Sundays. I just heard my pastor, and he was harping on there's opportunities, and opportunities will come in a seed form. They don't look big. They don't look special. They come in a seed form, but until you sow them and plant them and work on them, they don't grow into the harvest. And so this is ringing in my ears as I'm walking up to this homeless couple, and God goes, it's opportunity. And listen, if I unlock the doors at my church and I'm there in the week, I get three of these a day. Oh, my car broke down, and I don't have a place to stay. And I mean, it's, it's just part of my life now. Like, I was telling Joel, nothing really scares me in ministry anymore. I've seen the most absurd things, Creek County. Everything they say about it is true. Um, so... So we, we keep groceries on hand, so I offered them groceries. They're going, we don't have a place to stay, and, and this and that. And I'm like, I don't have anywhere to stay. And I said, I can find you clothes. And she goes, I may end up having to be outside a lot, and I don't have a coat. And so I said, okay, hang out. Like, we're attached to a Dollar General. Like, just go around and loiter in the Dollar General for a little bit. I'll be back. Let me run to my house. So I go home, and um, my wife, credit to her, she gives me, like, a $200 coat out of her closet. Um, and so I go back, and I'm, I'm praying on my way there. I'm going, God, it's great. I'm going to give them a coat and food. And I actually had a gift card that I'd found. I'm like, I'm going to give them some stuff, but God, what do you want me to give them? If you told me this is an opportunity, what do you want? And he said, his neck and her heart. I said, okay. So they're outside on the sidewalk, and I say, come, hey, guys, I got your stuff. Come on in. And like a drug deal, got your stuff. Um, I'm like, come on in. I want to pray for you guys. And so they're they're rough, right? They don't trust people. But I said, here's a coat for you. And she's like, this is a really nice coat. I'm like, yeah, my wife wanted you to have it. And 
Here's somebody I said, but his name was Tim. I said, Tim, you're in physical pain a lot, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, it's all hurting. And he goes right in my neck. I said, yeah, it's right in your neck. He said, I was a diesel mechanic. Something fell on me, and, and it just jacked everything up. And so I said, okay, I want to do something here. Do you guys believe in God? They're like, I don't, maybe, I don't know. I said, okay, I want to show you God. I want to show you how much he loves you. He's going to heal your neck, and you don't have to do anything. So I just put a hand on him. Her name was Sarah. I said, put your hand on him. And I said, God, I just think you're touching Tim's neck right now in the name of Jesus. You're just healing it. That's all I said. I said, okay, how are you feeling? And he started, okay. I said, no, move it. Do something you couldn't do. And he started doing this, and his eyes light up. He's like, I couldn't do this for the last three weeks. And then I said, okay, start bending over, doing some stuff. And he's like, this is crazy. He starts crying. And I look down, and his legs are all, like, he's all jacked up all over. And I said, your, your back hurts, your hips hurt, your legs, he's like, everything hurts. I said, sit down. Let's see how out of line you are. And he, he put his legs up, and they, they were about that far. You know, his left foot and his right foot are that far off. And I said, okay, well, we're not done. We're not going to leave. If God wants to heal you, let's heal it all, right? Let's, why, why take some off the table and not everything? So I just put a hand on his shoulder. And I said, God, I just think you're straightening him out. You're aligning his back. You're hooking up his hips. You're doing everything that I don't know. Just take care. And I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth before his legs went, totally straight. His wife goes, holy crap. It starts like walking off. Like, what is this black magic stuff? And so I said, get up, and how do you feel? And he get up, and he's so used to being out of whack, he stood up and he almost fell down because he was actually level. And so I said, okay, and he's like shaking. And I said, okay, Sarah, your turn. I said, you're, you're, you're heartbroken. I said, you've never had anybody in your life that you could trust. You've been abused, you've been neglected. The people that should have been there for you have never been there for you. And she's just staring at me like this. And I said, the way that you're looking at me right now, you're a rock. And you had to become a rock because you've been a survivor. But your heart is hard. And God wants to heal your heart. And here's the thing, and I'm going to get into the topic of tonight right here, but I said it's not going to be like Tim's. Before I could even say, God, heal him, he was healed, right? It was immediate. I said, yours is different. It's a heart issue. God wants to adopt you as his daughter, and he wants to walk you through healing. He wants to show you he will provide for you and not let you down. She had one tear come down, and she turned and turned and just, just a rock. And I said, okay, are you guys willing to accept this Jesus that I'm talking about? And we prayed, and we got him saved. And I bring that up here because we're talking about purity and holiness, and some of the things in our life that shouldn't be in our lives are that immediate fix. It's the leg growing out. It's the back getting better. It's that immediate thing is I can just discipline this out. If I just get around the right people, this is gone. Like, I was a really heavy drinker, heavy partier, heavy womanizer, heavy all that stuff when I got saved. Some of that just fell off the next day. God made himself real to me. I didn't cuss anymore. I didn't, I didn't need to drink. Like, I couldn't sleep. My hand would do that until I drank, like, five beers. It was just gone. That was gone. But some other things did not just go away. And I battled for the, with those for about 20 years because I had a Sarah issue as well where my heart was hard where I had been embittered, I had been neglected, I had been disappointed, and I put structures around them to protect myself. And what happens is, when you've got a structure around your heart that isn't the fortress in the kingdom of God, it's your own building, it's your own Tower of Babel, it produces bad fruit. And the issues that we try to correct aren't always a bad habit, sometimes it's a bad root. You can't discipline out a bad root, you have to heal a bad root. 
there's a story, and I don't know if I put it in my notes, a parable. I did. Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 6, Jesus tells this parable, and there's a landowner, and he's got a fig tree, and, he said, and he's got a gardener there, and he tells his gardener, his husbandman, who's Jesus, he said, cut this thing down. For three years, I've been coming out here trying to get fruit off this tree, and it produces nothing. Cut it down. It's wasting the land. And the gardener goes, okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me do my job. Let me dig around the roots. Let me pull out what shouldn't be there. Let me fertilize what should be there. And if one year it doesn't produce fruit, then we'll cut it down. But give me a chance to work on the root system. And what you're dealing with right now might be a root system problem and not a bad habit problem. Because if you've been working for a decade at pulling bad fruit off your tree, but it keeps showing up, maybe you've got a good three-month skid where you're doing all right, but then it comes back, that's not a fruit problem, that's a root problem. Is this making sense? So how do you go about it? And it's funny, I, I, I was sitting next to my buddy, and I was like, my points are pretty much the same as Joel's. Ultimately, there's got to be a recognition of it, okay? That's confession, James 5 tells us, confess your sins, confess that there's an issue, get it out. In the Old Testament, they've got all these things that are, are likened to sin, and one of them is mold. Mold doesn't grow in the sunlight, right? It grows in the hidden places, the dark places. That's where mold grows. And what happens is we have an issue in our life that's sin, and it doesn't ever touch light, so it keeps spreading. And it'll get to the far reaches of it can. You may have an area of light here that it can't get to, but it touches everything else. And what we are good at is shrouding that place. And if we're specifically talking about pornography, that's such an easy one to hide for a while. Because then it starts coming out in our perversities. Because pornography, like I think he showed you guys the human brain, it does the same thing as drugs to where it's not enough anymore. I had a, a, a student back in the day, he grabbed me and he said, Coach K, I really got to talk to you. I really got to talk to you. So I meet with him and he, we get into a, an office alone and he goes, I think, I think I'm gay. And he's just panicked. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what makes you think you're gay? And he goes, I just, I feel like I'm attracted to men. And I said, okay, because I wasn't getting this off him at all. Like, this is not, and I don't want to get on to what I mean by I'm not getting this off him, but I'm not picking up homosexuality there. And I, I said, okay, give me a second. I was like, God, what is going on? And he says, pornography. And I'll call him Joe. And I said, Joe, you look at pornography, don't you? And he goes, yeah. I said, wait, wait, wait. You don't just look at pornography it has you wrapped around its finger. You look at pornography four and five hours a day, don't you? He goes, yeah. From the moment I get home from school, and then I eat dinner, and then I go back to it, I'm a, I can't get away from it. I said, you're not dealing with homosexuality. You're dealing with perversity through this thing. And so I'm not doing that as a scare tactic. I'm saying there's a heart brokenness inside of him, and what he's filling it with is this pornography. And until we get to the healing place in his heart, he's going to keep self-medicating. And self-medicating never brings healing. It just tries to get rid of some of the symptoms, but it produces new symptoms. And he got so far into the perversity that this didn't turn him on anymore, and this didn't turn him on anymore, and this didn't turn him on anymore. He got to a place where he thought he was homosexual. And that's what sin wants to do. He wants to take the great things of God and just pervert it a little bit. Just a little bit. Like if I'm trying to get to that back door and the straight line is God's will for my life, the enemy doesn't have to turn me very far from here before I miss the door, does he? If I'm just a degree off, I'm going to hit the wall. That's all Satan does, is he just that little bit. So what do I do? God says be holy, right? 
Be holy as I am holy. He commanded Israel. He commanded the church. Holy means perfect. Well, that's impossible. Nobody's perfect. You are. Has anybody made Jesus the Lord of their life? Wave at me. Does anybody be, be proud? Yes. Okay. You're perfect. Is your flesh perfect? No. Your flesh is enticed. What's your flesh made of? It's made of the dust, right? What's it drawn to? The dust. Whatever is going on in the world of dust affects your flesh and you're drawn to it. Why does everybody get so mad politically? Because you're made out of dust and you're building sandcastles together. Get over it. Stop following your flesh. The perfect piece of you is the recreated Holy Spirit that you got as soon as you said, I die to myself and I pick up the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the work he did at Calvary. Now you have a perfect piece of you. And now the rest of your life, what you're trying to do is subject everything to that perfect piece of you. So when God said, be holy because I'm holy, he's not saying, be really moral. God does not care about your morality. Half the time, your moralities are filthy rags to him because it's your self-righteousness, your willpower. He doesn't care about that. He wants only what he produces through your life. Now we're talking holiness. If you're trying to get to God through your works, you're a Pharisee and you're building a Tower of Babel. That's a, I'm glad I started with that. I can keep going back to it. If you do things through his leading and his strength, now these are works of righteousness and they endure for eternity. He said, we all have works on this earth and some of them are wood, hay, and stubble and some of them are gold, silver, and precious stones. And on the day of judgment, which is the day of fire, they'll all be shown clear. If fire hits wood, hay, and stubble, what happens? It burns up. What's the only thing you have to work with the earth? Wood, hay, and stubble. Gold, silver, and precious stones were put here by God. Those are the things when fire hits them, they become more valuable, don't they? They endure through it. And he says, the things you build with me are royal pieces. They're things you have to dig up out of the earth. Wood, hay, and stubble are right here. They're surface. You want something valuable, you got to dig for it. you got to cut through a mountain. you got to find oil hundreds of feet down. If you want something valuable, let's go for it. If you want what the rest of the world has, just keep living this way. Will you go to heaven? I don't know. Man, did you accept Jesus as your Savior? Probably. But you're going to have a very difficult conversation with him because you're going to die and you're going to go to the throne of Christ. And it says, what you talk to Jesus about there is every idle word, I-D-L-E, anything that you didn't move the ball forward with, anything that wasn't done by the Holy Spirit. You correcting a porn issue with your own strength does not glorify God. You get into a place where you're glorifying God and your victory, that's through him. I need to give you some actual steps here, but I just need to tee the ball up. And the first thing that I want to say is that, first thing, I'm almost done. The 90th thing that I'm going to say here is that God loves you, okay? You're in church on a Monday night. There's got to be some sport we should all be watching right now. But you're in church on a Monday night he loves you guys. And I know that we've all got shortcomings, misgivings. We slip and fall. We get into the same habits and, and we want to give up because at some point we're going, God, you can't still love me after I've done this. I asked for forgiveness yesterday and I did it again today. Yeah, he does. Is he trapped inside a time like you? Do you think maybe he knows what's happening tomorrow? Do you think he maybe still accepted you anyway, knowing what your shortcomings are? Get over yourself. You're not that big of a deal, okay? The blood of Jesus is bigger than any sin you have or will commit. And so I want to assure you of your faith that eternal life is yours. The sanctification is your choice. Are you going to, and sanctification means to separate. 
You have to do what God did with the earth in the creation story in Genesis 1. In the beginning, the earth was formless and void, right? You were born. Did you have any purpose? Did you have any direction? Did you have a God at that point? No, you were formless and void. You didn't know why you were here. But then at some point, you said, Jesus is real, and I accept him. And that's when, bam, God said, let there be light. And now the work begins. The work didn't begin before let there be light. It came after. And he said, okay, let's separate the waters, the, the waters of the land from the waters of the sky. Let's separate the land from the... All he did was separate. What is that? Sanctification. What are you doing right now and for the rest of your life? You're separating light from dark. Not, not what's, good, what's right and what's wrong, because that's morality. And again, God doesn't care about your morality. Morality changes with the culture. He cares about good and evil, light and dark. And all you're doing is separating. So the first three days of the creation story, he just separated stuff, didn't he? What did he do the next three days? Let there be life. Anywhere he made room, life sprung up. And if you'll start focusing on these issues and these roots that shouldn't be there, life can spring up because you will separate the darkness from it. And I'm going to give you basically the same points I think Joel gave you last week. Number one, I said already, confess. You've got to say there's a problem. You can't say, I got this. You can't say, I'm going to figure it out. You can't say, I'm going to change this. You've got to have a confession, an acknowledgement that there's been a deception in your life. The second thing you do is you repent, which seems like they should be the same thing. Repentance is a step down the road because repentance is I'm changing my mind about it. I'm going that way. Repentance literally means now I'm going that way. And you need help with these things. I confess to, to somebody else. I confess to my pastor. I confess to trustworthy men. And then I repent. We put a plan of action together of how I'm going to go the other direction. And then make a move. Before Jesus shot up to heaven, that's how I picture him doing it. Before he went and sat at the right hand of the Father, he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go. That was his command, go. There weren't a lot of really intricate marching orders there. He just said, go. You got to go. Once a plan is put in place, you got to go. And the fourth thing that I want to say is intimacy is everything. The number one reason, I'll say, I'm going to go out on the ledger say, the only reason men look at porn is because they don't know how to be intimate. And they're trying to fill a void in their heart that's meant for God's intimacy, personal relationship, and instead of being able to go to that place of humility and receiving it from him, the satisfaction of his glory and the eternal bliss of it, we go and take something temporary, just like Esau did when he was hungry. I'm hungry right now. You've got inheritance to the rest of your life in the, in the patriarch of this family, to riches, but I'm hungry right now. Give me your soup. I'll give you that. That's what we do with pornography. Intimacy takes time. Back with that woman with the broken heart, right? She is not going to be okay today because we prayed yesterday. She's going to be okay down the road as she walks it out, and God shows himself faithful. Whatever it is that the addiction, the root issue, the deep-dwelling situation in your life is, You've got to believe there's healing. You've got to believe he's with you. You've got to believe that he's the redeemer of your soul, not just your spirit. Your soul is you. The spirit is what he gave you to make you alive. The soul is your personality, your mind and your will and your emotions. You've got to go to those dark places, and you've got to put that light there and go, God, this is it. This is my mess. This is the thing I don't show anybody else, but I'm going to show you, and he's going to be faithful with that spot, okay? Is this helpful? 
I can't say anything better than get planted in church. I really can't. Church will expose you. I could tell you guys a lot about yourselves by where you sat and what you did in worship. I could get after you because church will expose you. What's your giving like? Well, if you're not generous, who do you trust? Well, I trust that I don't have enough to give. Well, what are you trusting? Because it's not God. Are you submitted? Do you do things regardless if you agree with it or not? You cannot elevate in the kingdom unless you submit to things you disagree with. Because if you're CEO of a company on earth, you're at the top of the pyramid. In the kingdom, it's all flipped. Why did Jesus go to hell? Because he had to go further below all of us. Why is he a foot washer? Because he had to become servant of all so that he could go the highest. And it's the same in your life. If you are not serving somewhere, if you are not committed somewhere, if you are not generous to your house, you are missing most of the glory of God. He wants to deliver you regardless. He died for you when you hated him. He's going to do the same thing here, but I'm telling you, you are missing the call on your life. You are not called to be a welder or a doctor. You are called to be a man of God. You are called to be a joint that supplies in your, in your house. And as you hook up with that, guess what's going to happen to your business? Guess what's going to happen to your family life? Everything springs out of here. And so I want to encourage you guys to commit to the leadership of your church, commit to the times you guys meet, and bring people. It's a dying world. This is the only place God's glory is shown, says Ephesians 3. Be here and get people here. All right? Not super tangible, but I hope some of that smacked you in the face. I hope some of that encouraged you. I hope some of that gives you a tomorrow step. And I guess, I'll, I don't know, we'll do ministry now. I'm not good at plans, as you can tell. Why don't you just bow your heads for a second. I'm just going to start praying, and we'll see what, what gets led here. And Pastor Justin, if there's anything you want to do, obviously, take it. But God, I just thank you that you're, you're here with us, Lord. And a crazy thing you say in your word is that you know us by name. You know every number of hairs on our head. And especially as aging men, that number changes a lot. But you still know it, God. And so, God, some of us are dealing with very heavy oppression. Some of us have things going on in our life that we, we have refused to call addiction, but if we sat down and we looked in the mirror, it's addiction. That it's something that we cannot picture not doing and not having a piece of us. And so, God, we just acknowledge that right now, humbly. The Bible says we can come to your throne boldly, but it also says we have to come humbly, but boldly. And so, God, we've got to just lay ourselves down for a second and just go, I need you. There's a reason Jesus came as the Savior. It's because we need him. And so, God, whatever area it is, I'm not going to make a specific call. Every man knows what's going on. We just say right now, there's something I can't control and I don't have control of. And God, I repent. I can see a different life. I can see a better life. I can see your life there really is a purpose on me being on this earth, and it's not to get a nine-to-five job, have a white picket fence and some kids. It's to fulfill what you put created me for. So God, we're going to stop letting bad habits, addictions, root problems stop us from you in your life. People aren't really looking around, so if, you're, if you think and you have a, a root issue... Would you just wave at me real fast? It's really just me. If you're going, man, I've got like something I've been skirting for a while. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who else? Just be honest. Yeah. There goes a bunch of hands. 
Why do you got to be men? I got to come punch you in the face to get your heart right. If you raise your hand and that's a real issue, I'm not, I'm not calling you up here. I'm going to give you marching orders for tonight and tomorrow. You have to commit to 30 minutes with God a day. That's not crazy. 30 minutes. If it's lunch break, if it's up earlier, if it's before you go to bed. If you make deals with yourself and go, I'm not going to eat until I read for 20 minutes and pray for 10 minutes, do that. I'm not going to sleep until I've read a chapter. Do something. Make a move. It's not okay to live the way you've been living because you're not satisfied. Not because God's mad at you or disappointed, but because you're not satisfied. Do something. If you raised your hand, you got to do 30 minutes a day with God. And so, God, we just give you our lives all over again. Can you guys repeat after me? God, everybody in the room. God, I'm yours. You're mine. Your love will never... Are you guys here? This is like quiet and dead. Does anybody actually believe in Jesus? Sorry, like I will line you up and we will argue and fight. We will all arm wrestle. Let's start over. God, my life is yours. I'm done playing. I'm done acting it out. I'm ready for real relationship, real activity, real miraculous life that overcomes the world. I'm not subject to the waves and the wind. I'm subject to every promise from heaven. I'm your kid. Nothing supersedes that. I am positionally above the enemy, above the world, and above any circumstance that would try to separate me from you. I am not going to let it anymore. I'm a man of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.